Welcome to the eLaborate Topics Podcast, where we focus on lab-specific strategies for medical laboratory professionals. We're proud to be the healthcare detectives that work behind the scenes to get the results needed to influence medical decisions. Let's grow together and jump right into the lab. Welcome to another episode of Elaborate Topics. I am your host, Lona Small. Elaborate Topics is a weekly podcast where myself and my other co-hosts, Taiwana Wilson and Stephanie Whitehead, come to you to bring you tips and tools to excel both inside and outside the lab. A little bit about myself. So I am a lab coach and trainer, and I coach clinical lab professionals to validate their importance, unlock their greatest potential, contribute and make an impact at the highest levels in healthcare. And today I'm excited about the topic that I'm going to bring to you because I am trying to create tools to help both lab leaders and other clinical lab professionals to be able to make that impact. And I know many times it's very difficult because we get so overwhelmed with so many things that are happening. So today I'm going to talk about reducing burnout empowering your team. And for lab leaders and many laboratories alike, the constant complaint is there's just so much to do that we find ourselves being pulled in so many different directions and we're called to answer everyone's question, to fix everyone's problem, to put out everybody's flame, that so many times we may have goals to make that impact or we may come to work with a to-do list or we may say that this week this is what I'm going to do. And so many times you could go through a full week without touching anything on your to-do list because your time is spent with putting out fire and hitting, trying to hit that um, guacamole, as I said. And, you know, it's like just trying to keep up with all the different things that keep coming our way. And so I had that problem, and I don't know any lab leader or anyone in who have moved up in the lab who have encountered that problem. But for me, I figured out a way, and it didn't just come by magic. It came through, for me, I've gone through a lot of leadership coaching and a lot of leadership training. And one tool that I was taught is to basically look at all the things that you have to do and put it into different categories. And for me, I had to quickly decide what are the things that I choose to do just me. 
and what are the things that I can automate and what are the things that I can delegate. And so try to narrow the things that only you can do into the smallest of the bucket because many times as leaders, the things that you will choose to do are going to be the things that are going to make the biggest impact. So choose the things that's going to move your lab forward, going to make the impact that will move your lab forward, or it's going to satisfy the goals that you have as a leader. So those things that you know that these are the things that I and I alone will do, it could be either for regulatory purposes, it could be due to this is what your either the hospital um, told you that you need to do in terms of maybe some financial report or whatever it is, but choose the things that you and you alone should do. Then the rest of it, what can you automate? And when you think of automation, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go out there and purchase a tool or come up with something expensive. It could be simple things like Excel spreadsheets. And for you, if you're not tech savvy, you could get someone, maybe an IT person, to set up things, set up formulas, set up things that you can just dump into a spreadsheet to get your report on a regular basis. So look at the things that you can automate. Then after that, what are the things then you can delegate? So some of the things that are automated can also be delegated. And I know one of the scariest things for a lot of us is delegation. Like I don't feel comfortable asking people to do my stuff for whatever reason. I may be afraid that they may not do it right, or maybe, you know, they're going to spend more time coming to me with questions that I won't even get my other job done, or they're not going to be fast enough, and all the different reasons why we are afraid to delegate. And that's what this episode is about. What are some of the things that you can do to empower your team that you feel comfortable in delegating almost anything? So the first thing that I'm going to talk about, and as usual, whenever I do a podcast, it's usually tactical stuff, things that you can use. So get pen and paper as usual, and start writing. I'm not going to tell you anything that you're going to have to go out and purchase. I'm not going to tell you about anything that you're not used to using. It's just how you're going to apply these things. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is SOP. Yes, as I said, nothing new. They handed down the SOP, which is not really handy dandy because it becomes so overwhelming. And the SOP can be overwhelming to our staff, and it's because of the way we design them. So the first thing we're going to talk about is how 
do you lay out those SOPs? And in order for your team to find it friendly or user-friendly or not to be intimidated by your SOP, it's important to write your procedures clearly and write it in such a sim simplified step-by-step -step, um, way that anybody can open it and follow those steps, even if they've never done it before. Write it in a way that this comes first, this comes next, and it is in the sequence in which whatever you're going to show the people to do, it's going to be in those steps. Nothing about all the background detail that we find in these SOP that makes it so confusing that you can never find the steps that you need to take. It's, you know, you don't want your SOP to be filled with all these theory. The goal of it is like, I should be able to go in and follow these steps and get this work done. So you can either use one, two, three step-by-step or you could use a flow chart, something visual. This is the first thing, this is the next thing. You could use a process map if you want to make it visual, but make it easy to follow and make it in a sequential step-by-step -step way that you know anybody could open it and follow. Involve your team when you're putting together your SOP so that the the terminology or the language is easy based on the terminology that's used commonly. Because many times you can get removed from, you know, what's simple. So involve your team and involve them in even writing some of these, these things. And, you know, they could help you write these SOPs. And also, Make sure that you are circulating your SOP and making sure that everyone on all shifts, they're acknowledging. So it's not just like, okay, day shift knows what to do, but night shift don't know. Day shift, was, but evening shift don't know. Make sure that all shifts are aware of what's in the procedure and they know what to do. Yep, simple. Simplify your SOP. That's basically that message. The next message, next step is training. Training and competency. When you're training, you don't choose a sector of your group to be trained and some don't get trained. Oh, this person's been here for 20 years. They should know what to do. If it's a new process, everyone should get trained in that process. And if it's a new, if it's, and I meant, you know, notice I mentioned process because a lot of times we may train people into doing certain testing, and there may be a workflow that we may say they should know how to get there or how to do that. So make sure you're training in every aspect, both in the testing area or in any other thing that your team should know how to do. Make sure there's training. 
So if it involves some kind of Excel spreadsheet or calculation, some kind of documentation somewhere, or anything else other than just the testing, which I know we're good at, make sure there's training involved. Don't take anything for granted where training is concerned. Ensure that your training is being transferred to actual skills. So perform occasional audits. You know, do things like tracers or just spot checks to make sure people are doing what they need to do. So in that way, you basically can identify gaps in your own process through, through doing tracers or just identify if people are actually practicing what they were trained to do. Another thing is our regular competency. So other than just doing your competency every year, it's important to do audits, that I, as I mentioned. But even with competency, make sure that you're reviewing those competency to make sure it's capturing the things that you want to make sure you're checking. So whether it's through quiz or it's through problem solving, make sure you are including things that you want to make sure that people remember how to do. So if you notice, these are basic things that we have these tools, but how are we actually using them? The next thing that I'm going to talk about is reward and incentivize. So making sure that everyone is trained, you're not taking things for granted, and you're actually going back to audit these training. The next thing is to reward and incentivize. So you're rewarding the things that you want to see. I always talk about rewarding the things that you want to see because a lot of times people give out rewards for the sake of reward. to say, well, I'm a good leader. But if people are not doing what they need to be doing and they're getting reward, you're basically validating their poor behavior. So say, for instance, you want to see more people support projects, get involved in extra projects, then you're rewarding the ones that are involved in projects. And that makes that person, that's an encouragement for that person. You know, it tells them that you appreciate what they're doing. And that not only um, tells them that you, you appreciate what they're doing, but it, it incentivizes them to want to do more. And that also serves as incentive for others who are looking on. So then you will get more people involved in wanting to do, go the extra mile or wanting to support you in projects or support their own team. Another way to incentivize is through career ladders. And for my organization, they have career ladder in the um, MLS group where they move to CLS 1, 2, 3, 4. When you are at CLS 4, these are people who volunteer to do additional projects. 
And so you volunteer and you're consistent, then you get nominated and you go before a, for a board and all the things that you've been doing, that's read through and HR is on the panel and you have other people who select these CLS4 who will continue and they get more, they get more, more pay uh, I'm not sure how much more, but they, there's a salary increase, and they're expected to work at a higher level than the CLS3. And that's, in, that's a great incentive that can be copied not only in the science group, but also for phlebotomy and processing. Just creating these career ladder are actually incentives. So... That's reward and incentive. The other thing that prepares people who you delegate to is education. So a lot of times you might find people get frustrated when they're doing things or they may be hesitant or they may procrastinate. And a lot of times it's because they don't feel comfortable with what they're doing. Either they don't understand why they need to do it, or you may find people who don't perform at a certain level. And many times the bottom line is that they don't understand enough about what they're doing and why they need to do it. And so continuing education is so vital for people to understand the why behind doing things. When people understand why they need to do it, you find that there's more engagement and there are more people who are willing to do their best at, at that task. And one example that comes to mind was in phlebotomy where we were trying to monitor to make sure that they were collecting certain drugs within a certain time. These um, blood would be maybe like troughs and peak or, you know, a lot of times you have to get the trough before they can give the medicine. And a particular sector of patients where the transplant patients were um, being drawn for tacrolimus and they had to get these medication at a certain time. Of course, that was a way to help to um, prevent um, losing these organs, rejection, organ rejection. So we weren't getting the good compliance. And once we invited the experts from the unit to come and give a talk about the importance of collecting these drugs and why and what's going on with these patients who are transplant patients and the medication that they have to be given in order for them not to reject these organs and understanding the why behind that, that made a big difference with phlebotomy and how they performed with this group of patients where they would go and get those patients first. And even for the kids who were on transplant, the phlebotomists were so much more sensitive to the whole cause of getting these labs done on time. So education, continuing education is so important in so many areas for what we do. Just understanding the why makes such a big difference. 
And then the next thing is knowledge sharing. And, you know, a lot of times there may be one person who have a skill in a certain area, and it becomes very overwhelming for that one person, and not only overwhelming for that one person, but it's overwhelming to the leader who either gets pulled and a lot of times the support is not there. So when we can share knowledge across the team, it actually helps to alleviate some of the pressure that's on the leader and that's on Many times the leader is the only one that knows certain things, and sometimes there may be just one person. And that person, when they're out, they're off that day, then the pressure um, is on the leader. Or if they are on vacation or, say, for instance, something may happen to that person. It's so important to share knowledge. And so if you have, and some of these knowledge comes through experience, Sometimes there's knowledge that a particular person may have that the leader may not even have. And so it's so important to identify those people and document, you know, have them document the process for that particular um, procedure, a process step, you know, you can save the information, make sure you're writing it down, save it in a folder or a drive, electronic drive that other people may have access to. You know, make sure you're not just giving that one, any one person's um, task. Make sure you have a group of people, you're cross-training people, and you have many go to people, not just that one go to person. So that becomes a problem and that helps with overwhelm. So it's you know, knowledge sharing is such an important part of building your team, of empowering your team and reducing a lot of the stress and strain that is either on one person or on the leader. So Basically, I went through SOP, which not new to us, training, reward and incentive, education, and knowledge sharing. And that actually spelled out strength. And, you know, that's kind of a shortening for strengthening, strengthening your team. So while you're strengthening your team, you're empowering your team, you're making it, you're reducing the stress that you have or the stress that's on you. So when you, you, you may wonder, you're like, but it seems as if I'm doing all of those. So why am I still overwhelmed? So, yes, you may be doing all of those, but they're kind of all over the place. So without looking at that, the full picture, looking at all of these when it comes to any particular area, and look at these as a way to empower 
then you're actually missing that mark. So one way to do it, say, for instance, the way to identify if you're actually doing this, look at an area in which your team is tugging at you a lot. Like you constantly have to go to deal with the same fire over and over again. Or something that you find that you or you alone can do. But say, for instance, your team is tugging at you over and over again for one thing. What you could do is look at that one thing that's so frequent, and you're like, do I have a simple SOP for that particular thing? Is it clear? How is the training? Is everyone trained on this particular thing? If they were trained, are they really competent? What type of audit am I doing to make sure that they know what they need to do? Um, how is my competency written? Is there troubleshooting questions? What about quiz that I could set up to make sure that they know what to do in this particular sense? What about reward and incentive? Am I rewarding people who are actually getting this done? Am I setting, do I have a good reward system in place? What about continuing education? Because if they keep tugging at me, if I'm running around trying to put out fire or trying to deal with this on such a frequent basis, maybe there should be some continuing education for them to understand some more about this process. And then knowledge sharing, as I said, for this particular thing, is it just one or two people know how to do it? So that's a way in which you could identify by narrowing down the areas in which you feel pulled and you're all over the place. You feel as if you're, you know, and if that's not what you, you can use it for different things. Say, for instance, you want to delegate. Um, some project. Do the same exercise. Do I have a SOP for this? What about training? Maybe I could do some training on this. I could probably set up a reward system for this, education and knowledge sharing. So just use that. When you're thinking about it, think of one area and then go down the line. As I said, the easy way to remember it, just think of strength. And use that as a way to audit any area in which you want to reduce the overwhelm and empower your team. I know it's December. I know it's, we're still in 2020. And it's been a rough, tough year with overwhelm. And I'm sure that this tool could help us well now and into the new year. So I'm glad I was able to share this tool with you. And I know I get a lot of complaint about being overwhelmed. And hopefully this was, was helpful. And I enjoyed sharing this. And if you want to listen to other episodes, you can listen to other episodes of 
elaborate topics on directimpactbroadcasting.com and any of your favorite podcast platforms. And you could send an email to us. Our email address is elaboratetopics at directimpactbroadcasting.com. You can reach out to me. My favorite social media platform is LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn under Lona Gordon Small. My hashtag that you can follow is you are an important part of the whole. Very soon I'll be coming up with uh, uh, at least two free workshops that will be very helpful. So if you follow, you are an important part of the whole, you'll get information on a workshop that's coming up very soon. I enjoy sharing, I enjoy teaching, and I enjoy empowering and helping clinical lab professionals to reach their highest potentials in healthcare. So until next week, have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Elaborate Topics, where your hosts discuss relevant strategies for laboratory professionals. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and listen to us on directimpactbroadcasting.com. Stay tuned for another episode with information you can use to excel in your laboratory career.